Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for seriously stressed out professionals and the fit pros who serve them. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals and their ever curious clients who want to connect the dots for lasting wellness. I'm your host, Erica Thomas, and I help outstanding individuals like you Find natural ways to shake off stress, tension, and trauma to burnout-proof body and business alike. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching, bringing trauma release and yoga together for resilience through movement. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are now open. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Hey there, welcome back to The Work In. Being a fitness instructor and coach is a vulnerable place to be. You step in front of a room of virtual strangers in real life or online and basically present yourself as an expert in something. At least that's the expectation that I have when I walk into a class. I expect the person standing up in front of me knows more than me, at least in her format. And if I'm honest, I'm always looking to be challenged in some way. That's not always physically challenged. In fact, if the class seems like it's not going to be physically challenging, then I start to look for the mental challenges. There needs to be something. We talked about that in last week's episode about becoming the best of the best and how important it is to create opportunities for both challenge and success in your classes. You can go back and check that one out. On the instructor side, you can't know what is really going to be challenging for the people in front of you. Ideally, everyone in the room would be very self-aware and fully embodied and could be trusted to get what they need out of any class no matter what. But we know that that is not normally the case for most, most people, and we do want to avoid making blanket assumptions about the people in our room. When we're looking to raise the bar for both ourselves and our students, we have to start somewhere. And to in today's work in, we're going to get into the nitty gritty boots on the ground for how to integrate gold standard instructor skills that are so, so simple, but they can take your craft to the next level and make you more comfortable in your own skin and also bonus inoculate you against the dreaded imposter syndrome. 
These are things that you can apply to pretty much any area of your life where you come into contact with other human beings. It's not just for the fitness industry. So let's get started with this ultimate skill for instructors, and that is holding space. What does that mean? I have created an acronym that helps me kind of wrap my head around this very um, esoteric idea about holding space for another person or another group of people. And that acronym is the word SPACE, S for safety, predictability, agency, communication, and energy. Safety, predictability, agency, communication, and energy. That is the acronym SPACE. So I thought we would go through each one of those and kind of expand on them a little bit. And in the meantime, if you want to see this in writing, I've created a free guide that goes through each one of these and offers you a little bit more expanded examples of each of them. So you can check that out. I will give you the link to that at the end of the podcast. Okay. So let's talk about safety first. So I'm not talking about the bullshit woke safe spaces that we see on college campuses these days. I'm talking about offering enough structure via your expectations, the equipment, and rapport that the people in the room will trust you as their guide for the next hour. So that is that goes beyond our typical idea of safety, right? This is very much environmental. And this is where we can bring in some subtle trauma-informed skills and understanding of some things that might be needed for general population. Because what we're talking about here is any format. So it might mean leaving the door open to the classroom. It might be the level of lighting. It might be your music levels. It might be respecting these personal space bubbles. It kind of depends on the format that you're in. But one of the, these, uh, one of the pieces to creating safety here is to make sure that there is a level of respect between you and your students and between your students and each other as well. Because safety goes beyond just, you know, having the equipment put pushed off to the side so you don't trip over it, right? We need to feel safe in the room. And you never know if somebody's walking into your space trying to discharge trauma energy in some way And we want to make sure that we have this environment that is open to that. So that is the first piece to creating safety. And the second piece, another part of this, and we've talked about this in our last episode and a little bit in the first episode, is that challenge beats boredom every time. So when we're raising the bar and talking about holding space, we want to keep people's attention. So challenge is going to do that. It's going to keep people in the room with you, and that's really, really important. It's a big piece 
to any trauma-informed type of class is to assist your students in staying present. So we are including this brain workout. We're going to talk about how to do that a little bit um, across formats in just a moment. So we're going to include a challenge, but because you've established this environment of safety and trust, that challenge becomes accessible to people. Second piece to holding space is predictability. So we want to create some kind of patterning and then repeat those every time we offer that class. My teacher often says, through form, there is freedom. And just like little kids and puppies need some kind of structure that they can count on, that they can depend on, adults like it too. So if you're working with grown-ups in your fitness classes, like many of us are, we need to establish some type of pattern, something that they can count on. This is how the structure of the class is going to work. Uh, it's dependent on the format, of course, but you can get creative there and really want to watch and pay attention to what makes people feel more comfortable, right? So there's always a learning curve, no matter what format you're teaching. And when something is completely new every time, that can be very disorienting for everyone, including yourself. I mean, it's much easier to plan a class if you know the structure well and you can just use it as a jumping off point. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that patterning in a little bit through when we get to communication. Next is the A for agency. And what I mean when I think of the word agency um, is that you are letting go of some of the control as an instructor. And this can be a little challenging because most instructors are secretly control freaks because we like to tell people exactly what to do and how to do it. <laughs> but again, we aren't trying to create dependence in our students. We want students to own and claim their experience in their class. So it's not us doing this to them. It's them taking what they need. So if you don't normally encourage this, it may take a little bit of time for you to get used to and for your class to get used to too, because, you know, for a lot of people, they're used to that authority figure telling them everything to do and they, they don't feel comfortable doing something different. So that may take some explanation on your part, but we want to offer choices and permission to take a different choice. Because a lot of times you hear instructors give lots of variations, lots of choices, but there's this subtle um, energy that if you take that variation or that modification, it's somehow less good or it's cheating or something like that. So we need to lift that energy out of the room. Give them the permission to create their own experience in the class. They are the experts in their own body, not you. You cannot assume by looking on the outside of a human being that you know what's best for them in the moment. They are the only one that can do that. And sometimes it takes a lot of time and encouragement for people to do something different, to make a different choice from what the rest of the room is doing, especially in certain types of group formats, right? I'm sure you have seen that as well. 
I personally love to see it. I love to look out in my yoga class when we are holding a posture and see five or six different choices out there. That tells me that I have done my job and this is their practice. They will be better off in the long run. After all, this is their workout. It's their practice. They should be allowed to customize it for themselves. That is what agency is all about. Now we come to the letter C, communication, which is huge. It really should be number one, but it fits in that acronym right here. So I'm going to go for it. Um, communication begins the minute you walk into the room. It starts with nonverbal communication and with your introduction. And this is where you can start developing that predictability piece when you begin your class. How do you introduce yourself? Do you make sure that you have introduced yourself to any people that are unfamiliar to you in the room, get their names, share your name? Maybe it's a brand new class, so you want to go a little bit deeper into your bio and share a little bit about yourself personally. Um, I like to do a, a brief explanation of what the class can expect, um, especially if it's brand new class, but even in classes that you have been with you for a while, when you let them know what is coming, there is um, a point where they can kind of relax into this. Like, uh, okay, uh, this might be a little different, but I understand what's, what's going to be coming and I'm good with it, right? It's an opportunity, that introduction is an opportunity to set the tone Again, establish or reestablish some trust between you and your people and to make any just for today changes. So for so many people, especially if they have some kind of trauma response sort of ingrained in their habitual thinking, change is very scary and it sets the nervous system on edge. Many people who are coming to the gym, who are coming into group fitness classes are doing so, whether they know it or not, to release some kind of trauma charge or stress charge from the body. They're there to get it out. And if something about the format changes, suddenly it can actually activate the nervous system in a negative way. Right. So we can set us, set our students up for success right out of the gate by just saying, okay, so I know we normally do these things this way, but just for today, just for fun, just to change things up, we're just going to switch things around just for today. Okay. So this is what you can expect. I'm just putting it out there right now. People really relax when you are real with them and very, very honest. So you can explain the format, the structure of the class, how you like to teach. If there's a theme or a focus, then share it because you're all in this journey together. And that really, really helps to direct their awareness. So if you have a focus, let's say you're doing a, a sculpting class and you say up front, and today... Uh, in today's class, we really want to focus on the core. So all of our movements, we want to keep that, our, our awareness on the core of the body, no matter what else we're doing. That's really very helpful. Big part of this communication piece, of course, is how we cue. Ultimately, cueing is all about directing their awareness without 
prescribing what they should or shouldn't feel in the body. This is really something I feel very strongly about. When we speak to our students, we want to be very careful about um, telling them what to feel. Oftentimes people will ask you, um, where should I feel this? And it's a very common question. And the answer should be, well, where do you feel it? And then we can help them kind of figure out whether that sensation is something that they feel safe with, or maybe it's something that if they don't feel safe with, they may need some other variation of the movement or the posture so that they can feel safe enough to move deeper into that. It is really very common for people to dissociate during exercise. I am a living, breathing example of that where people just don't pay any attention to that flat out pain in their body and they stuff that down. That can really sort of inhibit the whole stress discharge that most of us are looking for from for exercise. So what you say and how you say it can really help keep folks in the room. That's that level of presence. And the way we do that, um, the, the best way to do that, I should say, is to use our most authentic voice, right? So if you are a funny person, let yourself be funny. I know some hilarious instructors and their classes are so fun. If you're an inspirational person, be inspiring. It's okay. Like, pull out those quotes. I personally am a pretty serious person. I have a lot of fiery energy. It's it's almost a little bit bipolar because I can switch between that fiery energy to my, I call it my Jedi mind trick yoga voice and really kind of flip back and forth to that. But I make a concerted effort to really lighten the energy in the room, especially with those high-intensity classes, with random fun facts and weird personal stories to kind of make me a more accessible person, Um, hopefully. At least that's the intention behind it. So I remember for a while, years ago, when my kids were little, they had this whole hamster soap opera saga that was happening at my house. And so every time we would be in class and holding a boat or a plank, I could share those hilarious stories, made the time go really fast. I often, on in spinning classes, talk about my experiences on those long bike rides and all the weird with <laughs> the weird people that show up on Ragbri or the time that the screaming goat jumped out of the bushes while I was on a bike ride and nearly scared the crap out of me. All of those things make you an individual, a unique instructor, and they change the experience through communication for your students. So I really encourage you to explore what works best for you. And then our final piece to holding space is energy. And this gets into co-regulation. So we are doing this thing called co-regulation constantly whenever we are with other people. It's basically the way our energy 
influences other people's energy and how their energy can influence us. The first thing that we need to understand here with co-regulation is that we need to be ultra aware of our own nervous system and our own energy levels first. We need to make sure that when we walk in that room, we are not carrying all of our baggage with us from outside, whether that's from the earlier in the day, from the past week, whatever it is. There is nothing worse than having an instructor walk in the room with a chip on their shoulder and take their crappy week out on their class, punish their class for whatever is going on in the rest of their life. That is not your job, okay? Your energy always influences the room, whether you intend that to happen or not, and vice versa. Their energy influences you. So if you can become more aware of your own state, then you can start to play with ways that you can influence theirs, Right? We want to energize the room in some way, even for really calm classes like a yin class. There is some level of energy there. Now, we're not jumping around the room in a yin yoga class, but we want a certain type of energy in that room, a certain type of focus. And that begins with you. And hopefully the students will pick that up and run with it on their own. Sometimes you have to bring all of the energy. And I have been in classes like that uh, where the group of people is just very low energy. And it just seems quite challenging to kind of dredge it all up. And I have often told people when talking about it that when I step in front of the room, I have to crank up my energy level like 10, 20, 30 degrees higher than where everyone else is, in order that we can all kind of meet somewhere in the middle, okay? So you may have to do that, just depends on the format that you're working. And so sometimes you have to bring all the energy and sometimes they will have energy to share where, you know, you walk into the room, people are really excited to be there, they're chatty, they're, you know, looking forward to the moment and that is a beautiful thing when you can not just bring some that energy yourself, but you can kind of weave it in to everyone else in the room and it feels really, really great. But be ready to shift because you are there for them. They are not there for you. And I mentioned before about leaving your personal baggage at the door. That is super important because they want a good class. They don't want to be your therapy, right? Your therapy class. You're there to give them your absolute best in whatever shape that comes in. So what do you do? Let's say you've done all of these things. You are a master at holding space for a class. But what do you do when you have someone in class maybe more than one someone, who complains about what you do or how you do it. And this is a tough tough one. Like I said earlier, being the one in front of the room, it can be very, very vulnerable. And um, when people complain, of course, you can't almost not take it personally, right? You're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself in the arena. 
And none of us wants to dread a class because of that one sourpuss or that mean girl in the back of the room, right? Feeling judged all the time. But I want to say a couple of things here about this. Because first, again, people will vote with their feet. And if they really don't like what it is that you're offering, they won't come back. So there's that piece. But if they keep coming back, then whatever it is they're complaining about or being snarky about, it is not about you. Actually, if we want to practice some radical honesty here, no one comes to your classes for you. (gasps) They come for them. They want a particular workout. And so if they're complaining to you, it's often coming from a negative pattern of thinking that maybe... I I can't like for sure know, but it may be rooted in some kind of trauma response or it's simply the default mode network that we all have going on. And that's simply that survival wiring in the brain that always says no first. And then that no can drive some deep habit patterns for some people right? Where they always look at things in the negative way. They always go directly to what is not good first. That might look like questioning absolutely everything the instructor asks you to do. I had a student like that one time. It was absolutely exhausting, but she wanted a full explanation for everything we did in the moment in every class. And it was so annoying. But I will tell you, it made me a better instructor because I had to know a, a an actual answer for her. Maybe it looks like complaints or maybe even grown-up whining about things. People do things like that when they're looking for more safety, when they don't understand or something about what is going on is making them feel unsafe. So if we want to meet that in a positive way, what we can do is provide more evidence of safety for them. And that's what holding space does for our classes. Safety, predictability, agency, communication, and energy. All of those things help provide evidence of safety And maybe you can think of some more things that might provide evidence of safety in the moment for individuals if you have one of these difficult students in your classes. I guarantee you they like you if they keep coming back. So if you don't already have it, you can get a copy of my free guide to holding space at my website, savagegracecoaching.com. It has everything we talked about today, plus some practical examples that you can use in your classes tonight. And while you're there, be sure to get on the list for my next one-day retreat in the Dayton, Ohio area. Registration will be opening soon, and you won't want to miss any bit of information. So I hope to see you there. And thanks, everyone. I will see you next time on the work in. Take care.